Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We're feeling good great about our contribution this cycle and we are just getting started we're, we're building around the country on the ballot in texas and connecticut uh and hopefully a dozen other states by the end of this year uh and marching towards the national convention next year you're going to sneak up on this country i believe on a forward party just sneak up like wait a second there's six different states with some ranked choice action or some sane people coming out of there it's going to become gonna be the really norm Let, let's turn the dials really down on the bad incentives turn them up on the good uh, and fix American politics in a genuine way, not in this, oh, we eked out another uh, wind uh, to survive. Our guy like, living on the edge is no way to live sustainably. We are back on forward to discuss the midterms with my main man. You know him. You love him. Zach Grauman. Zach, welcome back. Dude, good to be back, man. I've been trying to avoid you in politics. Uh, it's not personal. <laughs> and failing because I show up at your door every morning. You loop people like, back hey, in. Zach. <laughs> it's a core skill of yours is convincing people to do stuff. I well, you know, I mean, Zach, Zach's uh, <laughs> uh, working on a top secret project that will get a little bit less top secret in the soon, weeks yeah. to come. We got stuff to come. But we're going to unpack these midterms. What the heck just happened? What the meaning and uh, effects will be? So we're recording this at a time when they're still counting votes, which they're going to be for quite some time. But we yep. can already tell. A huge number of things. So first, want to say I was in Nevada campaigning, and yes, on three, Nevada is going to be getting rid of the party primaries and switching to nonpartisan open primaries with ranked choice voting. Clap it up! Oh. Clap it up! Okay, That's a big now, win, man. It's also nice to campaign and then win and get a you big know, you w. Put all that energy in and the feel the energy, and then the next day, like hell yeah, we did it. Oh yeah, I was joking with someone. I was like, that was too. all because of of, of my campaign. You there, which I, I mean, you know, it like it it looks like you when know, we won the when you won the Georgia Senate Senate runoff, you got to take the credit for that. You got to do. I mean, looking thing. by the math on that, that might have been us. You <laughs> That's know? true. Actually, uh, we had a lot big agent turnout for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, looking at uh, the Nevada numbers, heck, I mean, we we certainly helped. Uh, so they're still counting votes, but it's looking really, really good. And for those of you who are keeping up with this at home, what this means is that Nevada is adopting the same model that Alaska adopted in 2020, where right. there's no party primaries. Anyone can vote for anyone. Winner gets decided by ranked choice voting. It uh, it strengthens the voters. Though uh, I do want to also foreshadow that 
because of a quirk in Nevada law, essentially the same ballot initiative will get run in 2024. And then after that passes, the change gets made because there's a legal quirk where there were two steps that need to be taken. So I will say that there's a great chance that the Forward Party National Convention is in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2024 because we need to make sure and finish this job. Yeah, do it again. I personally always felt like the first stage of this ballot initiative was the harder one. So I'm pumped because a majority of Nevadans stood up and said, yes, I'd like to be able to vote for anyone. Yep. The misinformation campaigns didn't work. When I was in Nevada, the Democrats, <laughs> honestly, were sending out text messages being like, vote no on three. Uh, and their rationale was, it, it's too confusing. It, it's too cumbersome. And then uh, uh, people were showing me these text messages. And I was like, That's oh, amazing. man, come on. Um, so, <laughs> so, so there'll be this negative information campaign. But I think the, the truth of it won out. Uh, and I'm super pumped and super optimistic about flipping the switch for good in 2024 in Nevada. Thank you, Nevada. Let's thank go, you, Nevada, Nevada voters. Thank you to everyone who volunteered to help make that happen. That's amazing. Big win for the forward party. Then, uh, do you? I mean, does it does it go in? Does ranked choice voting go into play in 2024? It has to win in 2022, mingle around for two years, and then get voted again, or does it get to start getting implemented before then? Uh, it. it doesn't get implemented until after this thing passes in 24 because yeah. of this this legal. So quirk. you got to win it twice, but winning the first one's was the harder one, the in my opinion, one, for sure. Because again, Absolutely. majority of Nevadans, and I, when I talked to these two dudes on the strip, this was like so. I was campaigning in Nevada. Uh, I was coming out of a casino. Where'd you stay? Um, I did not stay here, but okay. I was coming out of the Cosmopolitan okay. because I, I was visiting a yeah. conference. And then there were these two porters who were working the front front um, of the casino hotel. And then one of them said to the other, hey, you vote yet? And I was like, yeah, you know. And so then I just uh, obviously was interested. So I walked over next to them and I was like, hey guys, what do you think about question three? And then uh, the the second guy said, I'm an independent. So of course I'm voting yes on three because mm -hmm. it means independents can vote in the primary. Yep. And then the first guy said, uh, everyone I know is voting yes on three. And from that, I thought, these guys get it. Because these dudes uh, probably belong to a union. They were uh, uniformed porters at um, this casino hotel. And they were just like, hey, obviously, we're going to vote yes on three. And then the the first guy then looked at me and said, hey, you Andrew Yang? And I was like, yes, I, I was going to ask you. They, <laughs> they did. But, um, but, but there was like this, this substantive uh, enthusiasm for yes on three because they instinctively sensed it was – in their own interests. Yeah. And then the parties uh, both came out against it, but the, the people spoke. The people are right. It is such a shame, but it totally makes sense that the Republicans and Democrats, like the parties don't want what you're, what you're fighting for. That's but a, yeah, that's the obvious. parties don't want a truly open system <laughs> of dynamism or unpredictability or having to deliver for the people. Yeah, <laughs> Accountability. Who wants that? It makes sense. And then I, I saw this, someone commented this on Twitter, which I'm trying to avoid. I try to just scroll through or get sports updates on. But um, it was something like... It doesn't make any sense that we root for politics like we do sports teams. Yeah, you know, true. and so, uh, and actually, it's not even sports teams. It's a sporting match. It's a game because it's just two. Um, there's not. It's not even. You don't even get the 32 teams the NFL gets. Yeah, that's my, that's my joke. Is that imagine a sports league with only two teams? Yeah, and how do you feel about that. the other, yeah. uh, the other team's base? I've, I've said this many times. We're like, I'm a, as a Bills fan, Tom Brady. By the numbers, objectively, he's probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the position from a resume standpoint. As a Bills fan, you'll never get me to really say that. I don't care. It doesn't matter how good he is. I hate 
Tom Brady, right? He's the deflator. Uh, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> you know, those championships weren't legit. You can go down the list. But that's because I'm a fan. And so when we when you bake fandom into things, and I, I would I challenge anybody listening to this, like if are you a fan of are you team dem, team Republican? That doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means there's probably some blind spots you have. You got to know you have a jersey on, or, yeah, or you're yeah. at least going to respond to to you know someone else's jersey. So the the switch in Nevada, um, it it made me sad that both parties were against it, um, particularly the Democrats, because it does end up reducing the uh, in, influence of extremism and extremists. Yeah. Because you need to get majority appeal to win. But, but the parties are okay with extremism as long as it's their extremism. Well, well right? so, see, this is part of it: is that the Democrats at the moment uh, are. Uh, in control of Nevada, but by the way, that might have changed as of Tuesday. I mean, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, um, but so, but if you think more holistically, you're like, hey, sometimes we control things, sometimes we don't. But wouldn't it be great if we reduce the odds of crazy people controlling yeah. things? Or, like that, that de- would be a, a, a relatively uh, democracy collapse. Yeah, like, a, like public uh, spirited mm-hmm. um, uh, reception to this ballot initiative. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's hey. This could be bad for our party's uh, ability to lock things down. Mm. So let's spend millions of dollars in legal challenges against the ballot initiative, which they did. That failed. And then like, hey, let's try and scare people about this ballot initiative, which they tried to do and it failed. Um, And so the people spoke and we're going to make this thing stick in 24. I will say, too, that there were a lot of people that put a lot of energy and resources behind this ballot initiative. And if it had not passed then it's going to be tough for them just to, you know, like get energized for the next one because people are people. And if you put tons of energy and time and resources into something, it doesn't work. And then when someone comes to you and says, hey, let's try it again in another state or two states or three states, which, by the way, we totally want to do in 24. Right. Um, So now you've got a version of it in Maine, a great version of it in Alaska that legitimately kept – Palin out, it looks like. Got Murkowski it's working. back in, it looked, looked like. Yeah, working. <laughs> All it takes a couple of these dates, like, oh, wow, okay. that Yes. Then is... you get Nevada, and then now we can go to some other ballot initiative states in 24, maybe even get a couple on the board at the same time, mm-hmm. um, and save Western civilization. Dude, huge, huge win for the forward party. Um, so congrats to you and the whole team. It's amazing. Um, this is where a lot of the real change actually happens when it's the blocking and tackling like the actual, when they say boots on the ground, this is actually what you're talking about, like getting signatures, getting this stuff on the ballot and telling people about it because the press isn't covering it. The parties are actively trying to <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying get to rid of it. It, it. It's amazing. Um, it's one of the best parts about our system um, that you can actually you can actually change stuff. People will fight you, but you can do it. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors. 
of sleep medicine is a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So, so some of the big uh, takeaways I had pretty quickly. Um, n- number one, the odds of a Trump-Biden rematch just shot up. Yeah. Because Donald Trump's going to declare next week, by all accounts, this week, uh, by the time people hear this. And um, the question was whether Joe decides to run for re-election. And yeah. if there had been a red wave and a repudiation of uh, the Democrats and the odds of Joe running again go down. Yep. But now you can tell Joe's freaking pumped. Mm-hmm. Joe did a victory lap for the press. Joe's like, good day for democracy. Yep. People sense that Democrats are working for them. And then when, when a reporter asked him, it's like, hey, what do you think about how the Republicans are just going to impeach you and, and do all this crazy stuff and have hearings and investigations? And then he he played the the I'll work with anybody card, yeah. um, just trying to poo-poo the, the re- <laughs> Republicans' um, uh, hostility. Um, so so Joe's feeling great. Yeah. Um, it's November. He's going to have dinner with his family. Um, by all accounts, Jill is apparently on board with another run. Um, and so the odds of him declaring that he's running for re-election early next year, in my mind, uh, just shot up. And there are a lot of people who are like, no, no, he's not going to do it. You and I have been around, uh, Joe. Um, the fact is, it's primarily or almost solely going to be him and his family's decision. There's no one that can make the decision for him, yeah. um, but him. Yeah. And so he's if he decides to run, you're going to see everyone in the party establishment fall in, in, into line. Uh, and so for those of you out there being like, oh, Joe can't run again or whatnot, oh, he can. And in my mind, the odds of him running uh, now are as high as they've ever been. There's not a lot of meat uh, on the bone if you're in the no, you shouldn't run camp for Joe. Like trying to have that argument with Joe, there's not a lot of evidence for you to say you won't win or can't win. Like the you know people have spoken, that's that. I will say this: a quick note on political victory laps or media victory laps. I know it's annoying, like it's oh, I was doing the victory lap, but politics sucks. So when you get the chance to take a victory lap, you always take it. You know, yeah. we did it a few times. You should do it. But like yeah. you know, he almost immediately afterwards had to get, go on a plane to Asia. So he him doing a victory lap. Before he jetted off, was like kind of a baller move. On, yeah, uh, you know, I gotta go. Sort of, gotta run the country. Um, but, <laughs> but, 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 uh, um, but yes, the rematch that no one is excited about seems like uh, it, it's on tap. Okay, so Biden, twenty twenty four. Anything else we want to talk about? Or we can also frame this in. I wanted to do like, what's like good, or what's like trending one way, and what's trending another way. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so one thing that is trending negatively is wave elections. Is I think we down, might yeah. be done with wave elections. Um, where at this point the country is so 50-50 split. So I'll confess to you all in twenty twenty. I thought it was going to be uh, a blue wave because people would be so fed up with Trump, his mismanagement of the pandemic, his antics, the, the you know the like the, just the like the the sense of uh, haphazardness. Um, and I was like, we're we're going to want to move on from this in a significant way. And House Republic House Democrats not only didn't gain seats, they lost. Uh, I think it was fifteen seats. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that and I was like, wow, 
um, that that's really surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took from that that there was like a whole lot of latent um, uh, Republican or conservative energy. And so on this one, I thought that there would be um, something of uh, a red wave or wave let um, because of inflation and uh, public safety being in the headlines all the time and people just being in a shitty mood. <laughs> so I was like, the, the, the country's just in like in an yeah, ordinary state of mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, there, there was essentially no red wave. And so what I'm realizing is that the country has these two blocks that are almost fixed in place. And we might not see a wave anymore because uh, at this point, you're wearing a blue jersey or a red jersey and you're going to vote. Now, some of the accounts of the midterms said that it was independents that decided this election. And depending upon the news account, they had, you know, 30 percent, 35 percent independents. And the exit polls showed that independents essentially split evenly. Uh, I don't know if you, mm. you saw that. So, so there is like this, this block. There. But um, one of my takeaways was, hey, uh, we might not see a wave for quite some time because at this point, everyone knows what team they're on. Yeah. I, um, my, my, what I think is trending up, my trending up was, I have a couple, but one of the big ones, big ones was uh, executive leadership. Or let's call it, and there's a lot of headline. I'm not alone in this, but the quality of candidate mattered, which... Is so stupid in some ways to say because it always matters, but in a red wave or a blue wave, you know, you have idiots winning just because they're a Democrat or Republican, right? Um, But you had a couple things. So, generally speaking, and I think a little more so for Republicans, if they ran a competent, strong candidate with a clear message, um, they rolled and they they really did roll. Uh, um, And that goes to DeSantis. In Florida, um, Brian Kemp in Georgia, like rolled on Stacey Abrams. Uh, Abbott in Texas. Um, uh, even, I, you know, like I, I think the ones that are interesting is I thought Tim Ryan ran a really good race in Ohio, but J.D. Vance still rolled. And he was a relatively competent Republican candidate there. I don't like I don't uh, comparatively to some of the. the I, I, well, I'm not sure I'd characterize J.D. that way. <laughs> I don't know. Compared to like I, I, I maybe, but compared to an Oz or compared to I a actually Herschel feel Walker, like J.D. Vance is kind of Oz-ish personally. Yeah, but I think his Republican. Uh, you're, I, I see. There's there's two sides of that. I, I can see the other side of it. I uh, I think he can. I, I thought his debates where he did a good job in the debates. I think his Ohio credentials are strong enough. His Republican credentials are okay. Um, so, but your, your general point about candidate quality is definitely uh, accurate. Where there are a lot of people bemoaning uh, missed opportunities for Republicans if they'd run different candidates. Should, yeah, like the the biggest thing being the Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, um, the alternative to Oz, who by the way Oz only beat by something like five hundred votes, was yeah. the Bridgewater CEO uh, David McClintock. Right, and I, I think that McClintock probably does perform better. Yeah. Um, because his Pennsylvanianness um, was uh, clearer. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just a different race. I mean, I loved Fetterman. You know, you want to, you don't know when the press doesn't love talking about this, particularly on the left. But I loved Fetterman before the stroke. Obviously, he was a, a brilliant communicator. He was on message. The problem is, like, this has nothing to do with, uh, you know, you're talking about a disability, right? In this sense, if it's walking or. Other forms of disability are different, but if you're a politician, the job is to talk, 
Right? That is the job. So that's, I mean, I think. And to synthesize information in different yeah, ways. Yeah, and like translate information for, break down information for your voters and communicate with them. That's, you know, that's what you're talking about. Um, so you had this, you know, but in that, um, in that state, you had Josh Shapiro role in the governor's race. Who was a high um, quality candidate. Who was a strong was candidate. Answer. So I think executive leadership, Whitmer was pretty strong. You know, um, to your candidate quality point, yeah. there's this, and, and this is something that's pretty negative, is that the Democrats' strategy of boosting unpalatable candidates worked in just about every instance. You talk about Mastriano in Pennsylvania, they freaking boosted him. Yeah, They boosted Joe Gibbs in uh, Michigan, <laughs> uh, who they ended up beating, and Peter Meyer would have been harder to beat, even though Peter Meyer was you know, a, just a lot better um candidate and human, human than, yeah. that, than, that, than Joe Gibbs. Bolduc in New Hampshire, they did the same thing. Like uh, the Democrats are patting themselves on the back being like, we're geniuses because we spent millions boosting the crazy the candidate. Candidates. And then, and then we managed to, sh to beat them in the general, just like we drew it up. Yeah. And so, so anyone I mean, who we looks at like We hated on them. I'll, I'll, I'll lead Crow. No, no, that. I mean, it, it's not necessarily because like we didn't hate on them because it might not work tactically. Uh, we hated on them because <laughs> it was... If it in, failed, it's a disaster. Yeah, the downside you're, you're, risk is really you're, bad. You're playing with fire, <laughs> uh, and, and it and it also makes your entire "Hey, we're preserving democracy" argument disingenuous because most of the time they were boosting election deniers and extremists. Yes, then saying like, "Hey, you know why uh, you, you can't elect those guys?" is because they're election deniers and extremists. It's like, well, wait. They were running against a non-election denier who was like more reasonable, <laughs> but then you didn't want to run against the reasonable person, so you 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 shit the reasonable person. Yes. Um. So like we weren't shitting on it because it didn't tactically make sense. You're right. Um. We were shitting on it because it's terrible for the public interest, and w once in a while you're going to screw up and lose to one of these people. Yes. <laughs> which, I agree. Which is which is the opposite of what you're saying. You know the the goal should be. Oh boy! All right, so that was my trending up. Want to stick with trending up? What else do you have that's up? Okay, so here here's what's trending. Uh, you can use either trending down or trending up on this. Yeah, one. Some, as, here's, here's most, as I wrote these, you could, depending on what yeah, team yeah, you're totally. on, I guess. Um, but here's what's trending down: Florida and Ohio as swing states. Oh yeah, um, because I remember a couple cycles ago, like that was the ball game. You win Ohio and Florida, then you win uh, national elections. Mm -hmm. But now, oh my gosh. Um, how many points did DeSantis win by? Uh, 20, almost 20. And, and also, uh, as compellingly, last I checked, Marco Rubio beat Val Demings, who I regard as a strong candidate. Val Demings is a, is a good one. 16 points? Yeah. In a state that was neck and neck, well, like four, eight years ago? Miami-Dade County is Republican. Yeah, like Latinos in Florida are just like, hey, sure, I'm down, uh, uh, you know, I'm down with uh, DeSantis or Rubio or whomever. So uh, if... Democrats have, have permanently lost Florida, and I do not see a clear path back for Democrats in, in Florida. Mm -hmm. It changes the national calculus. And the same movie played out in Ohio. Back to your earlier point, I thought Tim Ryan ran a phenomenal campaign, and he still lost to J.D. Vance, who I don't regard as a great candidate, by eight points? Something, yeah, it was, like it, yeah. was, it, it was significant. And J.D. Vance ran in a fractured... Republican primary and won that primary with only 32%. Um, so J.D. Vance points. didn't have some massive connection to the electorate that had been demonstrated at least. Yep. Um, and Tim Ryan ran a phenomenal campaign and he still gets get, gets beat by how many? Is six it six? Points, yeah. Six. I mean, six is a non-trivial 
gap. I mean, um, Republicans won Ohio the last couple cycles by eight or nine points. So you can say that candidate quality, Tim being good and maybe J.D. Vance not being so good, maybe comprised like a three-point um, uh, closing. So yeah. instead of losing by nine, you lose by six. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows that Ohio is essentially permanently red. That, to me, is is uh, incredibly important. Um, one of like the great questions I have, and this may be a real recruitment thing for forward, is that imagine being a Dem in Ohio or a Dem in Florida, and you look up and say, hey, I used to have a shot at mm-hmm. statewide office, but now I don't. State. Yeah. Now, now it's a wrap. Yeah. Um, and so like, what is my future? Uh, and I've seen the same movie play out for uh, Democrats in, in different states that went from purple to red. So you have Ohio and Florida becoming red states, and then the new battlegrounds are going to be um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, which are the traditional mm-hmm. Midwestern states that Trump won in 2016. Well, that Pennsylvania might be blue. You got a, you've got their governor rolled, and Fetterman was a weaker candidate. So this stroke. is why the Democrats are feeling good. They're like, we have rebuilt the blue uh, wall of Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, right. and then add into this Nevada, Georgia, mm-hmm. and Arizona. Right. Those are the the new, the new six swing, yeah. swing states, but you you've written off Ohio and Florida if you're the National Democrats. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device, you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com yang. Go to expressvpn.com yang to learn more. And ticket splitting, to your point, was a thing. Yeah, um, where voters are like, I like this guy, I don't like this guy. And that happens when you spend a lot of money, too. But other times where you don't know the other names, you just kind of check your team. So uh, this plays into what's going to be on everyone's mind for the next three weeks, which is going to be the Georgia runoff, which may end up deciding uh, bounce of power in the Senate. I think that Warnock has an edge in this runoff because Herschel Walker's numbers were boosted by uh, Governor Kemp's, Yeah, where Governor Kemp... Uh, came in well over 50%, mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, 53 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Walker was at 48. So this is your ticket splitting candidate quality thing. 
And now you don't have Kemp on the ticket anymore. And it's just purely pure him, pure Warnock versus Walker. Um, I think uh, Warnock probably edges it out. Um, if I had to take a, um, you know, a, a guess based upon like the level yeah. of enthusiasm. It's a pure turnout game, right? That's how these work. So you got to have people turning out for Walker and his character lack or lack thereof. That's going to be tough. Well, so th this could end up being uh, a massive lightning rod for uh, national politics because if the Senate hangs in the balance, then there are going to be a lot of national Republicans trying to get people to care about supporting Walker uh, to God, hand Mitch McConnell the, the Senate. For those of you who don't follow this, it's a man who uh, is hard, hard line against abortion and has been caught paying multiple women to uh, to have a abortion for himself. So uh, that's I the was randomly of... listening to uh, talk radio on the way in today. Uh, BLS, it was a Steve Harvey show. Okay. And and so Steve Harvey said, I love Steve like, Harvey. why why do you want to make Herschel Walker the your senator? He wasn't even talking when he was in the huddle. What? It was uh, that was that was funny. He was like the running backs not even called the plays. <laughs> he gets in the huddle. And he, you know, I don't know. So um, so so that you know the Herschel sure. Walker joke. I mean, there are a lot of jokes out there. Um, but so but I, I think Warnock has an edge and and probably probably, right. pro probably squeaks it out. But the the political world is likely going to be turning back to Georgia for the next three weeks. Trending up. Curious your thoughts. Abortion rights. And I th say that this is my take. I'm curious your thoughts. I think it's fair. I think we can say now that abortion rights are going to be handled state by state for the foreseeable future. Um, well, certainly the the gubernatorial and the state houses, are, the races became more important because they can make a call on correct. abortion rights. And there, there have been incredibly positive signs um, in a lot of different states that if you give it to voters, they don't want to to uh, restrict abortion rights. Even in a state like Kentucky, yeah. where there's a ballot initiative, and it was like, hey, do you guys want to restrict abortion rights? And they yeah, were like, right, hell no. no. Right. And this is a, like a fairly conservative red state. Yep. Uh, the same thing happened in Kansas. Um, so it, it does heighten the importance of some of these state races, but I'm, I'm happy to say that if you actually pass it to the people, that they raise their hands and yeah. say, hey, guys. like, and, and that goes to show, too, that the entire blue-red team thing breaks down um, when you have like a concrete right. <laughs> decision to be made in that state. It's like, do you actually want to make it so women can't uh, can't, oh, can't get an abortion? Liz, Liz Plank, who's a, um, let's call it an activist, I guess. She's a, been a journalist, been a lot of things. Um, who, uh, I love Liz Plank. I don't agree with her on everything. But she said something. She said, w abortion when it's vague and emotional, then people are easily against it. But when they start to see like how that works out in practice and how that affects an economy and a lifestyle, in and family, people are like, "This is awful." Um, which is her point, which which is good. I think so. On one hand, like there's Democrats that are going to say this was a massive win, and I think in the sense that it it wasn't a loss. Like there's no, there's you're not going to have a red wave in the, national. Though there ban. was something very cynical about the way Democrats played the abortion card because Dobbs comes out. And they could have actually tried to codify Roe v. Wade and have like a um, yeah. like a certain floor, but they didn't because um, they wanted to use it as a political cudgel. And you know that this is what was going down because 
gosh, like a month before the midterms, Joe Biden gave a major speech being, saying, hey, if you get me one more senator, like we'll codify Roe v. Wade. And then that, that begs the question. It's like, wait, why don't why they you do it, do with it the majority, now? Right? Like, why does one more senator make, make the difference for you? Like, it, it didn't make any sense. But it was clear that Democrats really wanted this as, a, as an issue heading into the midterms, and it did pay off for them. So this is, again, the perversion of the two-party system in action, where it's like, look, um, the, the issue is worth more to me unaddressed as a weapon Not than it is addressed. But I think um, there will be... There'll be Democrats that claim victory, like our candidates that were strong on abortion had great success. And I don't know if that's totally correct. Like Josh Shapiro, Gret Whitmer, um, for every one of those, you had a Beto or a Stacey or others. Um, and Abbott, I mean, Texas has the worst abortion laws in the country, or if not the worst up there. And he he won pretty handily. So um, now I don't think he was on the ballot as much because it kind of already did it. But um, oh, what's interesting is that uh, I think Democrats are feeling good because the expectations were so negative. That's true. Yeah. Um, so to the extent there was That's an true. expectation game, um, like Republicans are sad and Democrats are happy. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the actual outcome, you're essentially looking at this deadlocked, polarized 50-50 country. A moderate a, Republican, a, 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 mild Republican win. A, a, again, I mean, Republicans are um, almost certainly going to take the House by some margin. Um, and we're in a system now where if you have the House... Uh, in some ways, it doesn't matter if I have it by five or 25 seats, because mm, yep. if you're in the minority party, you have absolutely no say and no power in anything because there's like so little bipartisanship the at this dream. point. Um, now, if Republicans have a tiny margin, which they might, one of the dangers is that their margin consists of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and crazy people who've already said, look, if we're necessary, then we're going to. Um, uh, hold up all sorts of things. So, so in in my opinion, the odds of having productive legislation emanating from uh, Congress for the next two years are vanishingly low. Not good because yeah. you're going to have some version of uh, a Republican majority in the House that isn't going to exactly be like passing a, a lot of great stuff. But because of the expectations, Democrats are like few. Like we did, and and you ca you have to say based on historical patterns. Uh, they probably expected to to lose dozens and dozens of seats mm -hmm. um, that that they didn't. One thing to to know too is that whatever happens in these Senate races uh, with um, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona uh, in twenty twenty four, it's going to be very difficult, almost impossible for Democrats to hold the Senate because mm. there are a couple of seats they won in twenty eighteen during a blue wave, the last real blue wave, that are going to be almost impossible for them to keep in 24 specifically West Virginia <laughs> where Trump won by the 27 points yeah. uh, and Montana, which I think is something like plus uh, nine or 10 uh, re Republican. So trying to win those, those seats Not in 24, yeah. it, it's going to be very, very hard. So, um, so easy the, flips for the Republicans. Most yes. Likely. So, so the polarization is just going to keep on, trucking forward uh where you're going to to now th this midterm was something of relief but like 24 is going to be upon us unfortunately before we know it probably uh, you know this week or next week trump's gonna announce what in a couple days yeah uh and and then <sighs> the core problems are still very much there for us and obviously you know here at forward our goal is to try and uh provide like a real genuine upgrade to our politics so it's not always this life or death mm -hmm. clash, uh, you know, um, 
uh, between these two teams. Yep. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Uh, I have a trending down. Trending down is the, and I'm actually, I'm bringing this up because I want to hear your thoughts and to talk about it, but the trending down the Democratic darlings, the darlings of the Democratic Party, uh, specifically, I would say Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke, who both lost, but lost significantly. I want to put Tim Ryan in there, too. I would put Tim Ryan, too, but I don't think Tim got as much love. Oh, he didn't, for sure. Uh, but that, that's one reason why he's so admirable. Yes. I would, but I, I would say I, I, he's getting a lot of love now because he did flip uh, two Ohio congressional seats, it seems like. Or, I mean, you could argue because of Democratic turnout for him. He ran a good race. I thought he had really good messaging. Yeah, um, totally. Best I've seen. But Stacy, when I say love, what do I mean by love? Like Beto's been on the cover of Vanity Fair. Stacy Abrams has been at Lizzo concerts in Atlanta. Uh, go down the list. Uh, but both lost like w- wide margins, right? Um, what do they do next, and what does that say about Democrats in a sense? Because I feel like the Republican darlings, if there is such thing, tend to win. <laughs> I Maybe mean, Oz wasn't a Republican darling, but DeSantis oh, for sure, so, so, Abbott. So, so th- this is a very big picture question that I like, um, which is what the heck do high-profile Democrats do in states that are unwinnable uh, for in a general election, which I'm going to say at this point, um, Texas looks that way. Ohio looks that way. Florida looks that way. Yep. Georgia does not look that way. Georgia is is clearly winnable. I mean, like Warnock may may win. <laughs> that, that's probably the biggest <laughs> knock. On, that's like the harder part um, for Stacey. He's like, yeah. Um, but but that there's uh, and, and this is one of the structural deficiencies of the two party system, is that if you are a high profile person in one party or the other but your state is uh there's no place for you to go and and that's one of the things i detest about the way we practice politics in this country is that when you try and figure out who's going to run for a particular position you look around at the people who are uh at the 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 level below that politically and say which of these people has been gearing up for that there's this entire ladder that they're trying to, to to climb and then, so if you wind up in a certain spot, so I'll use Tim Ryan as an example. So Tim Ryan's a member of Congress. Um, now, there's been some redistricting and some other problems in Ohio, which make it so that, you know, he, he may or may not have had a path back to Congress anyway. But what is the quote, next step if you're him? Um, and so it's like, well, run, run for Senate. Um, and then when that step uh, proves too much, uh, th- then you're looking up and say, okay, like, what is the next step for me? 
Um, you, you can see it at every level where you look and say, who's going to run for this? And then you just circle around to the half dozen folks who are like the level below. And so there's this constant food fight for who's going to, to get like the next brass oh, ring. Yeah. And, and that's the majority of the candidates we have. Well it, 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 it's one reason why so many folks are hungry for someone from outside the system, because we sense that this person, do they have some deep seated purpose to be seeking this particular position? No, since they've been in the game for X years well, that, yeah. and, and, and the rest of it. And so like, you know, like, look, like this is the next step for me. I mean, what am I going to do? Be like a city council person forever? I'm going to, yeah. you know, take and that you next got, step. With Tim, you have, uh, or Beto too, like, be you run? So let, let's take okay. Beto, member of Congress in, in El Paso, runs for Senate, becomes the, the, the star because he was running against Ted Cruz. And everybody hates Ted Cruz the nationwide. They apparently like him in Texas. They like him enough in Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, they they threw a beer at him at the Astros like, parade. He says, people people <laughs> don't love Ted Cruz. <laughs> he so, wins, though. He wins. Um, he wins every six years. I mean, he's That's true. You're that, right. That, that, you're that, right. You won in 2018. Um, but so so that it, it's tough because there's no natural next step for these people. Yes. Uh, and so what often happens with people of a certain profile, and uh, you know, I've been in this bucket too, actually, where you know what you do as like your holding pattern, talking headed. You're going to see that, yeah. <laughs> like some of the folks will be like get tabbed by a particular media, media network yeah. and say, hey, and so one po very, very real possibility of this is certainly Stacey Abrams. Like, you know, will, will Stacey Abrams get a call from MSNBC being like, hey, hop on TV and like do stuff. But these are things that only apply to folks who are relatively high profile. And and yes. so, the, the, so the thing that I see all the time is that people are getting uh, up and outed uh, in our two-party system politically because there's just no place for them to go where, where they are. It, it's one reason why what we're doing at Forward, I think, is so important is because we can provide a long-term home and breeding ground for people who want to do positive things in their community where uh, you can actually stay in the doing good stuff pursuit um, even if there isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a, a, a spot for you in terms of the next rung of elected politics. Um, and, and this is one of the diseases, too, is that what does the press do? Well, we'll just follow the relative rises and fall of like the, these different people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, this person's trending up. This person's trending down. Yes. And, and you know, we're human. So we're like, ooh, like I want to keep track of who's trending yeah. up and down. Meanwhile, the entire system is like, you know, becoming increasingly ridiculous and unproductive. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> you know, but, but we'll all just get sucked into the character drama and like, oh, show me a video of, of some asshole doing something I hate. Like, yeah, I hate this person. And then it's like, oh, let me. Um, let me vote against them. Let me donate against them. It's, and thus, like the 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 you know, well, it's the, like this career path. Like Tim Ryan, he goes and he runs for. They tell you, oh, you're in Congress. Like, why don't you run for president? I'm sure they told us to Swalwell and Joe Brand. Oh God, like, they never told him to run for president. You fucking kidding? I'm sure. I'm certain political advisors. I'm not telling like the powers that be, but like their political <laughs> advisors, like run for president. You'll boost your national profile. You'll get some press. You'll get on a debate stage. People will see you. And then when you run for Senate in two years or a year and a half. Then you have a national donor base. You've met all these big players. You have the, uh, people to pull money from. And then the, the national, like the party will love you because you're challenging, you know, a seat they want to win, et cetera. I mean, that's what, I mean, it's what happens. And you just kind of get left at the end. I'm not sure what you do. Uh, I don't know what Tim Ryan does next. So this does raise uh, a very Im Im important question, which is we opened this discussion talking about how the odds of uh, Trump-Biden shot up because yes. of this midterm. On CNN the other day, uh, I said, hey, there's no way the Democrats run a genuine primary uh, if Joe runs for re-election. 
um, where if, if Joe says, hey, I'm running for re-election, in theory, the Democrats have to have a primary and people can challenge him. But no one in the establishment is going to challenge Joe. Even yeah, you'll, though, have a, you'll have someone on the left, I'm sure. Give it a shot. Well, so, so this is what I said on air. Uh, I, I said the DNC is going to pull the plug on a, any process because there is no way that they are going to have their 81-year-old president debate Nina Turner yes. six times. Yes. Uh, which is the way it would play out if you actually had like a, a, a Maybe process. Maybe Roe, the bro do it. I don't know if he's still, he's a little establishment. So, so people who are in the establishment uh, aren't going to touch it because it, it's going to become this massive litmus test of like, look, like, are you really going to enable Trump to win yeah. um, by challenging our guy, Joe, even though, you know, a majority of Americans and Democrats would be deeply concerned about running a soon to be 82 year old um, for president again, um, After but, doing but, the most grueling job in the world for four years. But you're going to see just crickets when everyone's like, hey, who wants to r run against Joe? Like, I, everyone's going to be like, you know, yeah. um, anyone who a actually is within the Democratic Party and, and imagines they have a future within the De Democratic Party will not challenge Joe. So, you know who would challenge him? Marianne Williamson, Nina Turner. Yes. Someone uh, uh, of that ilk. Yeah. Um, just a total aside, I think Tulsi Gabbard runs for president on the other side as a Republican. Um, as, as a Republican. Against Trump? Yes. Okay. Um, Probably. So, so I don't see Tulsi in this, this field of potential challengers uh, for Joe. But the DNC looks at this and says there is absolutely no way we're going to, to have Joe uh, be contested by um, these folks. So they're right. going to, to short circuit the process. Maybe they'll say, hey, we'll have a debate if, uh, if someone breaks... 20%. Mm -hmm. And then if someone like Marianne or Nina got to 20%, they would just change the dial and be like, hey, I meant 30. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and, and there'll, there'll be this. So the RNC did this in 2020, by the way, that they had Trump, the incumbent president. He was challenged, most people don't remember this, by uh, Joe Walsh and uh, um, Bill Weld and some other people. Yeah. Uh, and then the states just started canceling their primaries. <laughs> I forgot about that. People didn't remember this because it's the Republicans and Trump, and they're like, "Yeah, of course those guys don't follow the rules." But uh, but the Democrats will, in my opinion, do the same thing because they, they don't want to weaken Joe uh, ahead of his rematch with Trump. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, here, so here's the other thing. Um, I wrote a chapter on this in my book, and I didn't publish it because it's part of it. But to a, for the Democratic establishment, which really means, it means a couple things, but it, a lot of it means political consultants. Biden's a dream. You have, right now, we have an economy that most people say is not doing well. You have inflation that people do not like. We have crime that's pretty much up in every major city. Uh, that is a top issue for most of the country. And you have presidential approvals and vice presidential approvals that are not good. Um, yet he still had the best, like the, the best performance of an incumbent's political party, um, or at least projected right now, since you know we rallied around the flag after 9-11 in 2002. So that's a dream. 
if you because it's just the Democrat like to, like this to is the, Team Biden's feeling to great. the Team Dems. You know, like we keep our political consultants and talking heads in power. Um, Republicans don't have a real strong message per se to fight. Even like if the economy's bad enough, the Republicans had a good message. They should have won a lot more seats. The question I want to ask you is: I think uh, DeSantis twenty twenty four is ramping up, and I don't think. DeSantis runs if Trump runs, and I think Trump's going to declare. Trump's going to declare. It's like the rumors, yeah, yeah, and yeah. They're like and rumors, like sourced by his team. So, so I, I, I made reference to the two fields. So the Democratic primary, if Joe runs for re-election, I think it barely exists, and that there, there's not a true process. Um, Republicans, I mentioned Tulsi, Chris Christie, Larry Hogan, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Trump, uh, maybe uh, Maris Suarez in Miami. Um, if all uh, those people run, DeSantis wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense for him to enter that field because you know, they would all steal from him. They probably wouldn't steal from Trump. It's the same moderate Republican vote, right? Yeah. So, so I, I think I got to seven candidates, um, and mm-hmm. and there are some I did not name. There will be more that are going. Yeah. There will be, but there will be more. So if you have Trump and his let's call it forty to fifty percent hanging out there, and then everyone else breaking up the other fifty percent. Yep. Um, if you're DeSantis, you just sit on it for a cycle uh and and then it just comes to you you're the heir apparent you get all the money like tr- trump he might put him as vp yeah yeah like trump runs and and you're you're like you know like succeeding as governor then like you know if, if trump loses then you're the next person up and everyone's waiting for you and everyone's happy if you run against trump uh you wind up fracturing the base get a lot of negative energy i mean yeah. trump is very very uh, vindictive it's and negative and, press and, all day and, long and, and, and vengeful. You end up taking your relatively robust base right now and splitting it in two, and then uh, you emerge really, really tattered. Yeah. Um, maybe it's like that. It's the cost benefit, like you know, especially yeah, because right. DeSantis has been telling donors that he's not going to run against Trump. At least that's what he was saying x weeks ago sure so um but these people don't think rationally like we've done cost benefit analysis i could have done a cost benefit analysis on half the democratic field last time like that the, the cost would say don't run for president um no are you but, kidding that the the field last time was wide open i think anyone who had any no front salt should have like gotten into that race in, that that we were in i hear you saying um my my bigger point was if you're the republicans the republicans are better at lining up than democrats are and I would say save for 2020, the Democrats don't typically easily line up behind a candidate. Um, the, the, the joke would be, you know, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line is what we would say in the campaign. If you're Republicans, knowing you had already lost to Biden four years ago, do you really run it back again under Trump? Do they, is what, there not I enough mean, power to, to look, stop it, that? It, if you were to, if you were to have a bunch of Republicans say, "Hey, would you prefer that Trump not run?" They'd say, "Yeah, they'd like, say yes. yeah, I prefer he doesn't run." But after Trump declares, then what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, and, and, and the reason he's declaring early is like, I don't want you guys joining. It's my or, party. Or what, what? What someone said was that, um, like Trump controls the primary, but then he's attacks in the general. But then the primary comes first. So what are you gonna do? And then if you run against him, you 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 know probably get steamrolled. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, this dynamic is playing out. Uh, the the questions still remain the same, even though this midterm, uh, I think, was um, relatively benign uh, for a lot of people. And, and uh, I'm going to close with one other bright spot for forward. And as we're having this conversation, we're not quite sure. Um, but Adam Frisch in Colorado might have uh, beaten Lauren Boebert, um, who's not cool. 
And this is something I'm particularly proud of because Adam, this was a district that no one was paying any attention to. Dems didn't want it. Yeah, well, it was deep red, so they're like, oh, like why run someone? But um, Adam Frisch uh, got enlisted to run. Forward Party uh, endorsed him and backed him, uh, and did what we could to help him. And it looks like he might uh, get rid of Lauren Boebert, um, which would be a victory for common sense and rationality in the the country. But also, it shows that even in a deep red district, there are a lot of people that weren't down with Lauren Boebert as the ideological, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking head. It's like, you know what? I kind of just want a member of Congress. I kind of want someone who might, you know, actually do something. So, so, it's 50-50 right now. 95, um, 96%, 96% in. So thank you to everyone who uh, supported Adam or supported Forward, because that's the kind of thing we're actually making happen in real life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, like the the National Democratic Party ignored this race because they were like, you know, look, we're we're a dollars and cents party, and we're not going to spend money in a race that we don't think we right. have any chance of winning. Um, but 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 forward uh, endorsed Adam, and and uh, because it was the right thing to do, um, we ac- we're actually in touch with him and helped get him into the the, the race. Even that's um, a huge win, man. And so it'd be Our, a huge win. And so it's a win um, that you're this is this close, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So re- regardless, we're, we're feeling great about it. Um, so. Uh, from the forward perspective, um, and we didn't talk much about it. Thank you, Evan McMullen, for running a great race. We'll probably have Evan uh, uh, on to talk about um, his race and what the future holds. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who helped get Nevada a huge step closer to nonpartisan primaries and ranked choice voting and for boosting the nine forward party endorsed candidates like Adam Frisch, who it looks like might have won their races. You know, like we're feeling good great about our contribution this cycle and we are just getting started we're, we're building around the country on the ballot in texas and connecticut uh and hopefully a dozen other states by the end of this year uh and marching towards the national convention next year what a moment man no one's going to you're going to sneak up on this country i believe on a forward party just sneak up like wait a second there's six different states with some ranked choice action or some sane people coming out of there it's going to become gonna be the really norm Let, let's turn the dials really down on the bad incentives, turn them up on the good, uh, and fix American politics in a genuine way, not in this, oh, we eked out another uh, <laughs> wind uh, to survive. Our guy like, Living on the edge is no way to live sustainably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, what you want to do is have a rational system that we can all, all like sleep on easily and not just be at the edge of our seats every fucking cycle. Amen. Some wins for forward. It's exciting. Thanks for having me on, man. It was fun. Thank you, Zach. We'll have you back all the time. The people have spoken. The people love Zach. <laughs> we get it. Everyone in doses. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Love you guys.